Um, we, we, we're going to take off again today, but let me make a few statements for some minutes before we go into where we stopped. Um, I want to say this to us that we are, in, we are in a very dark time in the annals of history. Uh, the world is sinking deeper and deeper into darkness, into lawlessness. And the scripture has so predicted that in the latter times, perilous times shall come. You know, sometimes you need to pause and ask yourself, what, 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 what's the meaning of perilous times? And what shall be the signs that the times are here? You know, it will, be, it will be so bad for you to have the Bible and events of prophecy will catch you on our ways. Either we like it or not, prophecies will be fulfilled. Because his word are forever settled in heaven. But what role are you playing in prophecy? Is it positive or is it negative? When it says a time shall come when people shall be misled. Are you checking if you have been misled? Because either you are aware of it or not, people will be misled. It says men will heap for themselves. Teachers that will teach them what they want to hear. Are you following a teacher that's telling you what you want to hear? Now, either you are aware of it or not, it will come to pass. Uh, he said, people will be deceived and be deceived. Are you sure you are not being deceived? Either you are aware of it or not, it will come to pass. But never let prophecy affect you negatively. And how do you do that? By aligning yourself with the word of God. I believe in my heart for the church and those whom God have called in these times. That God is raising a knowledge based church. I repeat again, God is raising a knowledge-based church. I will explain what I mean. Not a church ruled by the flesh, by the carnal nature. Nature that expresses in emotionalism. Nature that expresses in frenzy ecstasy and platitude and all these are void of the word of God and the move of the spirit God is reordering his church like he has always wanted to do he says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail what role will you play in the building of the church? It's important. God has left us on the earth to sow seed for eternity. 
That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. You know, sometimes we think that scripture is not, is not real. You see, it will get real when one, one, one is getting close to time of death. But why do you want to wait until that time comes before you know it's real? For God has given us his word to make us know what he will do even at the end of time. That's why it says, thou art without excuse, O man. And so, I want you to be circumspect and redeem the time. I, I believe this meeting is to, is to reshape your mind and your view about the church and the Christian world. God is raising a knowledge-based church. You know, throughout scripture, God has always wanted his people to know the knowledge that comes from hearing and studying. He wants them to learn and study. God had always wanted the church to be a knowledge church, a church that understands him. And the reason and, and the and the process of getting that done is teaching. Study to show yourself. That's why you find that when you start studying the Bible, you start sleeping. But those who are already enjoying that study, the more they study, the more they want to study. So God wants people to know him. Even beyond knowledge, he wants his people to have experiential knowledge of him. Now, there's mental knowledge this experiential knowledge now to get to experiencing god for yourself you must first and foremost know him mentally when i say mental i mean knowledge of acquiring enough information about something but in this case about god you know if you check our modern services in churches today the services are not geared towards making people know more of God and Christ. It's geared towards making people to receive the gifts that Christ gives. And you can't get the gifts that Christ gives until you know the giver. So no matter what men whip up, it will change the positions of God and his word. So our God is a God highly esteemed and that wants his people to know him. Someone say know him. Say it again, say know him. Now I want you to say that word so as I read, you come, to, you, you like Paul says, you understand my, my ways and my doctrines in the things of God and Christ. Ephesians to number one, I read from verse 15 through 18, this, this evening I'm building up to the teaching itself, but I want to lay this foundation because it's important. You know, who's a pastor? Is the only word? Yeah, it's only word though. Ephesians 1 15 through 18. I read from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Paul said, For this reason, please follow me carefully in your spirit. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love. For all God's people, Ephesians 1 15 to 18. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit, but I want to put the word, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Does this sound like something you are pursuing? Now, that word revelation means, it means deep insight and intimate fellowship. In the knowledge, the word is, is epignosis. You know, these are days where you should not be weary of, of, of big words. In any case, you know big words that are jaga jaga in the world, that they're your head. One day, somebody called me and said, eh, you know, go work. I was amazed. What do you know of that? I said, what is that? He said, it can work. Now, it means it will, I had it for the first time. It means it will work. So when the word become work, it has become the language. And some of you know it in your head. You know those big words. So why are you, why do you think that understanding what hypostasis mean? What incarnation mean? What epignosis is? It's a big thing that is for pastors. You see, it's a lie from the devil. Because you know some slang words. Recently, I had one they called Zanku. It's Zanku English. So how come you know what Zanku is and you know what it means in physical? Someone follow me. How come you allow yourself to understand what, I don't know what, that one they call leg work. And you know it. And you are comfortable. You know what is best you are believing. In fact, sometimes if you don't hold you tight in church, you will start dancing it unknowingly. Because you have danced it in your heart and your spirit already when watching the videos at home, when nobody is seeing you, but God was there with you. So how come now it's difficult for you to, add, to, to say, okay, let's, let's, let's dig deep into, into the Greek and Hebrew word of the Bible. Is someone following me? It's the spirit of the age. When I say, ah, let's, 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 what is pantheism? You say, what is that? But if that is a slangy song, if they don't use pantheism, the next day you, you find out what it is. How come it's easy for us to pander to the flesh so easily and it's difficult to turn to the physical spirit and learn and put those things to heart? God is building a new set of Christians that will be knowledge-based. Tonight, if you follow me, please say amen on the group so I know you are hearing me. Because you are not just hearing me, you are hearing the voice of God. The days are over when we excuse the laxity of men because we want, we want to be inclusive. No, Christianity is not inclusive. It is exclusive. Tonight, I want to pray that the entire church is listening to me, but we keep building these things up. So Paul says here that we grant the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the epignosis, that means the experiential knowledge of him. 
And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened. Can you imagine that? God wants the center, the core of your being to be enlightened into him. Now, you see the word, I'm just saying that God wants the people to know him. And he has shown us this in the word so clearly. And this, and what he shows you, it means he wants to pursue this trend, this trajectory in his word. He said that the center and the core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know, you see, you will know the word, know that the word noxies, which means knowledge acquired by teaching, by training, and by learning. And what is going to hear is going to know you acquire by learning the Bible, learning, learning intimately the word. God wants you to come to learn. When the time of learning comes, you are excited. Don't be like students that hate mathematics. And every time of math class, they escape the class or they lock out. Be like the ones that even though doesn't know much, but is always willing and eager to know. Because God wants you to know. God is building a knowledge-based church. And in fact, from the beginning, he had always wanted his church to know him and be founded on the principles and the doctrines of Christ and the apostles. You will know and cherish the hope of which he has called you. So in this verse, we see the word knowledge and know twice. That he may know, that he may know, that he may know. Now I want to ask a question. What then do you know? So if the cause you are pursuing is not helping you know, then it's not God. Colossians 1 9, I'm gonna read from King James Version tonight. I'm being on to starting this evening. So there's no there's no rushing because there's so much to learn. And to learn these new things, we have to unlearn the old things. For this cause, also since the day we heard of it, that means your faith, your professed faith in Christ, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge. See that? So if there's one thing God wants you to be filled with, is what? The knowledge of his will. And how do you know that will? By interfacing with the word. So, so there, must be, there must be a high concentration and attention on God's word in these end times in the life of the believer. And if it's not so, then there must be an adjustment to be made. That ye may be filled with the knowledge of him. Of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wow. Is it making sense tonight? Is God speaking to you tonight? So the will of God for the church is that you know. So that means if God wills this, that means God is saying for us, we must be a teaching church. That's why if you read in the Greek or in the earliest verse of the Bible, Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, Teaching pastors. So it's not pastor and teacher. So the qualification for anyone to be a pastor is that he must be able to teach. And how do we know that? 
Apostle Paul clearly defined this in First Peter three. When we're talking to Timothy the elder, to ordain people, they must be able to teach. Says anyone that is a pastor must be apt or able or equipped to what to teach. Teach what the Bible, not his own experiences in life. Any prophet that only prays, adua, and can teach the simple principle of the word using scripture to interpret scripture, is a charlatan. No matter what title he carries, no matter how large the place is, God's eternal purpose is for the prophets, if there are one, to be teaching people, point people to the word. So the office of the pastor actually is not just pastor, is teaching pastors. Not the one that teaches you how to marry. A pastor is not called to teach people how to marry. A pastor is not called to teach people primarily how to, how to, how to get good jobs. That is not the primary function of the pastor. His primary assignment is to teach you the, the principles and the oracles of God that you might be thoroughly furnished and prepared for every good work in the kingdom. And as an aside, as the question warrants, he can help in these areas as the Spirit of God leads. But that must not be his primary assignment. Uh, let me quickly say as I make progress. You see, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, I'm going to read in the Amplified. With smooth words of flattering and praise, he will turn to godless, godlessness, those who are willing to disregard the covenant. That means there will be people who will come with sweet words of flatteries to turn people's heart away. Those who disregard the covenant. But the people who know their God. You see that again? God wants you to know him. And the way to know him is by the word. So God wants to let you know that the fundamental thing you are learning, you are come to do in church first is to know him. Every other thing revolves around this. Daniel 11, 32. The highest knowledge to which a man or a woman can attain in this life is a personal knowledge of God. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 9 24. It says, Let him that gloried glory in that he understandeth and knoweth God. Is your, you know, some of you, you glory in your, in, your, in your prophets and in your ministers. My pastor said, My pastor is the best. Yeah, but you see, God says, If you must glory, don't glory in man or glory in yourself. Glory in the fact that you understand and know God. Don't glory in me. Ah, my pastor knows what. Yes, do you know what? It is not what your pastor knows because he can't carry you. When life issues come to you alone, it will, it will hang you in one corner. He said, when he faces you, shoot. When you turn back and you see it, shoot. When you turn left, I'm going to shoot. When it's only you, rethink your stand. I don't know what this is about, but you know what I'm talking about. 
A time will come to be you alone. That's the time to start calling pastor. Pastor, please pray for me. If anyone will glory, let him glory. Jeremiah said 9 to the 4. In the fact, he understandeth and knoweth God. Who can actually know the plan of God through? Okay, we can actually know the plan of God through the scriptures. So the only way God wants us to know him is through the scriptures. And the scripture is understandable. That was the attributes in the biology. One day they asked Jesus, and 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 they said, and, and they said Jesus, what is eternal life? You know what he said to them? It is eternal life is 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 reigning on earth with my glory, with my power. No, John seventeen three. He says, and this is eternal life that they might know. You see that know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Is this changing your mindset now? So what's eternal life? It is not, it is not, it is not what you think it is actually. Jesus Christ said, it is in knowing God and knowing Jesus whom he has sent. The more you put your attention in knowing God and Christ, eternal life of the becomes part of you. So the reason we set for Jesus like this. Is so that you are grounded. So don't feel weary when Jesus is taught. He's part of the deal in the church. In fact, that's what the church is all about. Knowing that Paul will write to the church in Galatians in the top chapter chapter one. He says, He says, Oh ye foolish and tolerant Galatians and superficial Galatians, say who have bewitched you that you should not you act like this, believing works over and as a prerequisite for justification. To whom right before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as what? That means he was properly, Paul taught them line by line that Jesus was crucified, why he was crucified, when he came from, and what that meant for them. That means he took them step by step. This is what the apostle Paul taught. Even at that yet, they still were still going away. Not to mention those who don't even know at all. Let me give you a few things and then I'll continue tonight. Because God is changing our mindset. And I believe in these last five days, something is changing in you. Am I correct? A perspective of God is coming on you. Let me give you a quick benefit that you derive when you fully understand the doctrines of Christ in teaching. One, it makes you almost impossible to be deceived. It makes you almost impossible to be deceived. Ephesians 4.14 That ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men wearing the light with the seed. But you speak to yourself in love. It makes you almost impossible to be deceived when Christ is well taught. Two, you are sure of the things you believe. 
2 Timothy 3 14 Paul says but continue in the things that thou hast learned and heard and has been taught of continue you, it, 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 it assures you Hebrews 1 11 1 says faith now is a substance of things hoped for the evidence the evidence the evidence is substantiate your evidence in God Three, you are able to test spirits and teachings if they are of God. And you test these spirits and teachings of the age by the world. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Let me read to you this and listen to me carefully. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try and test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out in the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Christ is that just Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that just is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist. Wherefore you've been told that it should come in the world. And now is in the world already. You test spirits by the word. Four, you are able to communicate precisely and simply the gospel of the doctrine and teachings of the Bible. You can communicate it easily. Nobody can come and deceive you. If you don't know your own stance, a moment can come and twist your head. It can come and placate you and, and, and because see, it will prove with evidence because you don't have evidence. They, they've been true with what the fixed evidence and so they, they'll put this against yours and you'll be, you'll just be blabbing you'll say no, it's not blabbing, tell us your defense do you know Paul defended the gospel clearly Stephen did that clearly check the bible, people defended and when you see the defense you know these ones they, they, that was what made Stephen to, to stand to death because he was so sure of his defense, he has done his homework he has studied Christ. He began from Abraham until where he was. And if you read it, it was a proper apologetics, proper message backed by the word. Same thing with Paul. Same with Peter. Go and read them. You will see that they know. So they could, they, they could stand the test of time. By this, you do proper apologetics. It means defending the gospel of Christ to the, to the unbelieving world. How will you defend when you don't know? Then lastly, tonight, the fifth thing that's the benefit, you, you, you are able to pray well and pray the will of God because you can't pray outside God's word for God's word is God's will. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. So I want you to understand the importance of what we are doing and know that something is changing. We start asking ourselves, why are we doing what we are doing today? Is it found in scripture? If it's not there, then let's begin to interrogate it. That we may be found following the patterns of God. Yesterday I stopped at the point where I was talking about the blood, that the purpose of the crucifixion now, so you're following me. So, you know, I told you that Le Leviticus 17 11, God said, the, for the, the, the life of the flesh is what is in the blood. So, the reason Jesus became flesh so that his blood can be what collected that's the reason. So, you cannot begin to add it together. So, so when you are 
thinking in your own mind to process your salvation and what God, what, what plan, what, what divine occasion God made, you begin to value it more and begin to find God more. So the level of blessing is the blood. And I have given it to you upon what? The altar. To make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for souls. No wonder Mark 86 says for what? Tell the prophet man if he gives the whole world and lose his word, his car, his hair, his house, no, his soul. And it's their blood, it's the blood only that can make atonement for the soul. So the reason for the crucifixion, the reason why Pilate asked to be beaten is so that the blood can be fully collected. The blood can come out so it can be fully paid. So we can appreciate that Christ went through all these things for us. So now our faith is in the atoning blood for the redemption of sin. Romans 3.25 whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness to all that believes. Through faith in his word, in his blood, in his word, in his blood. So you see, the first thing to note in the death of Jesus is the blood. So God had to cause him to die for the sake of the blood. That's why Jesus, Jesus was not strangled. The kind of death he died was the type that would cause him to shed blood. Bible says, for he shed his blood intentionally. So the first thing for you to note in your salvation plan is that God had Jesus go through the cross because of the blood. Secondly, tonight that I want us to look at the prophecies. You know, I still look at some few things: the blood, the prophecies, the attestation, and what the blood accomplished. So the first thing we we'll look at is the blood. In the death and the burial, let's look at these four things. So the second is the prophecies. You see, one thing that is unique about the death of Jesus was that his death was prophesied. Someone say, man. His death was not a coincidence. His death was not an happenstance. No, his death had been predetermined. Before everything began, this is what makes Christianity special. Every prophet's death, they died like a normal human being. Their graves are still there. Their bones are still there. But the death of Jesus is unique in that it came by prophecy. Prophecy not spoken two years before he came. 4,000 years. He fulfilled them accurately. And why is this important to you? So you know that the death of Christ on the cross for you availed much because it came from old time. 
Do you know when Jesus was born? It's amazing how even Jesus taught and the people that he taught didn't even understand. That's my fear in our generation. If Jesus, the teacher, would teach you and they won't understand, <laughs> then that's, that's the reason you need to pray the Poland prayer every day. Because the nature of the fallen man is contrary to the things of the Spirit. He said, for spiritual things are foolishness to a carnal man. He said, he cannot know them because it's not given to him. So it's difficult. You see, it's difficult to understand the word. You must make up your mind that I will press in with all things. From the days of John the Baptist, God's kingdom has suffered violence and the violent will take this by force. You must resolve that this, this knowledge and God will open this head of mine and put it there. Jesus told them. Tell me to look Luke's gospel, the 24th chapter, the 25th verse. Luke 24, 25, 27. But I'll read just a verse or two there. Then, now, this is a story when Christ was dead and was going to Emmaus. And he met those two disciples. Their names were mentioned. But he was walking with them on the road. Wow. Jesus came walking. And was talking to them. And they were talking to him. They still did not know him. They still could not perceive well, some said their eyes were sealed from him, or he, he, he changed his, his, his nature, changed well. But Jesus was working with them and he was asking them, What think you? What are you discussing? They said, Are you strange in the land? Didn't you know about Jesus? Are you new in the city? That, 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 that he was one we thought would be the Messiah. That means they didn't understand that, and he told them. But sometimes he also told the folks that the children exposed the deep on the dice. But somehow he told them in the open. But they still didn't understand him. That didn't you know that he said these things? So he, said, he told them. They were looking at him. But see what he said to them. Then he said unto them, O fools. Now, I didn't say fools. It was Jesus that called them fools. You know, sometimes God's work can be offensive. Can you call me fool? Well, if God calls you fool, sir, you are a fool, though. <laughs> if God calls me fool, sir, with my PhD and my DPH, okay, it says, Oh, fools, why? Why are they fools? Because they've refused to understand the scriptures. Haven't been taught. They have still not come to terms. And God is not interested in what you have to boast of in the earth. He's interested in what you know about him. If any man will boast, let him boast in this, Jeremiah said, in that he understandeth and knoweth God. So God is important. God is present in your heart.
You give excuses because you are a mother. That's why you don't know God. Your, your, your children are taking your time. Uh, what an excuse. Clap for yourself. Clap for yourself again. And then clap to them and you should read your chest. You give excuse for not studying the Bible because you are busy online. Or you make yourself busy. No, we must begin to, to, to challenge ourselves in God. Because in this time, God is building people with knowledge so that nothing, no one deceives us. Because we are in an era of great deception. He said, all fools and slow of heart to believe all, now see that, all the prophets have spoken. So the prophets spoke about the death. It wasn't an accident. Prophets that didn't even know what time it would happen. But the spirit of God which was in them began to indicate of, 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 of the sufferings of Christ, Peter said, and the glory that she would follow. First Peter 1, 10, 11, 12. They were, they were trying to pick the signal at what time, but they didn't know. So they looked at Christ in the future. But we look at Christ right now in past. It means Christ is, is the center of human history. He's the beginning, he's the middle, he's the end. Why can't you rejoice that your Lord is in charge? So the study of things like this will reveal to you the basis of your faith and your authority. The prophet said the Christ will suffer. So Christ said, ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And so Jesus did. And beginning from who? From Moses. The prophet of God and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Praise God. So the death of Jesus had been prophesied. His suffering had been prophesied. This sacrifice and mission was authenticated because it fulfilled and aligned with prophecies. You see, in Genesis, he is a seed of the woman whose heels will be bruised in death temporarily. But it's the power of God who will crush the head of the serpent which he did in his death he's the animals slain in Genesis which skin was used to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve a type of redemption is a type of Abel's blood that was spilled on the ground 
that began to cry. How be it Abel's blood cried for vengeance, but his own blood cried for mercy. You can't spill a man's blood without, without torturing him. He came to fulfill the prophecies. It was a type of the ram caught in the ticket. When Abraham went to offer Isaac, he became the perfect substitute. Instead of Isaac being sacrificed and the blood of Isaac spilled, the blood of the ram was spilled. And guess what? God qualified Isaac as to Abraham as a type of Jesus. Your son, the only son whom thou lovest. No wonder he says, for this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said that three times in the, in the Gospels. First at the baptism. Second at the Mount of Transformation and, 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 and others. So God attested that Jesus Christ is his son. You know, in Exodus, he's the unblemished and spotless lamb for the Paschal sacrifice. In Numbers, he is the bronze serpent hung on a tree for deliverance from death. No wonder John writing in John 3 14 to 16. He said, as Moses delivered serpent in the wilderness, that all that look might be saved, so shall the son of man be delivered up. For God so loved the world that he gave, so he equated the son to that serpent. It was, it was that bronze that, that, that Moses and Aaron lifted up in the, serpent, in the desert for redemption. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moses, whom the Lord sent to his people. You see, in the Psalms, he's called the suffering servant. In fact, Psalm 22 says, his beard was plucked. He was smitten and beaten. He found his place with sinners. He was buried in the tomb of the wealthy, but found in the place of sinners. He was like a shepherd, like a sheep taken to the slaughter. And when he was revived, he opened not his word, his mouth. Exactly. You can find it there. So Jesus came by prophecy. But the, the, the striking prophecy about Jesus is found in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This is the messianic prophecy. There are several in the Bible, but I want us for time's sake, I want us to look at this. Isaiah 53. We're going to read from verses 1 through 12. As I have prophesied this 700 years before Jesus came. And tonight I want us to look at it with the eyes of the Spirit. And see 
how Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled the plan of the Father so that the enemy can be silenced at once. He is the Christ, the risen Lord. As I speak in 700 years before Christ came, verse 1 says, who have believed our report. That means these things I'm going to say is, is unbelievable. Because what I'm seeing, I can't understand it. I know I'm speaking about the Messiah. But this Messiah, from what I'm seeing, will be tortured. It's not making sense. But in any case, God's word ought not to make sense to me. I will yet prophesy as I'm inspired. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before the Lord as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form. Now this not a human being. How many of David was a beautiful person? David was handsome. The Bible says he was sturdy and ruddy. Ruddy means it's a word, it's plum. Okay, you're that's the job. So David, David's physical physique was described. He was beat in sorry, he was handsome to look at. He was sturdy and ruddy and yeah. Because actually he was with the flock, so he was drinking milk regularly. So this was not talking about 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 David. Um, tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the power of God, and that's what it comes. You know, I was sharing my wife some 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 last week about Lucifer, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. God told Ezekiel Isaiah to take a lamentation on the, on the prince of Tyre. And next verse, on the, on the king of Tyre. He says, Thou art before in Eden, no, that was on the man, he was referring to Lucifer. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Who, who is tender? Jesus, Bible says in John, that and the, and, and the child Jesus grew up in what? In wisdom and in what? In knowledge. And was with, in favor with man and God. So he grew up like a tender branch. And came from a dry ground. It means, it means his, his background, his, his, that's what I say, is this not the carpenter? It was derogatory. This was about Jesus. He had no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Why? Something has happened. His face has been murdered. His countenance distorted. Not because of what he willeth, but because of what God willed. 
For God made him to be seen, for he knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness, the righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in him. If all that God died for was to give us a car, that's an embarrassment. Do you know that Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, Luke 4? The devil offered to give him Rolls Royce free of charge. So I'm going to announce to you that the reason he died was not to give you Rolls Royce, to give you a car, give you a house. First of all, he died that we may no longer die. Say thank you, Jesus. For rescuing me. You know, the gospel of our day makes sinners feel that they are righteous. You we must let the sinner know that they are in a dangerous place. They are in a dangerous predicament. Without Jesus is is pathetic. But you must know that. And when you know that, then you know that having been rescued, then it's all. You see, if coming to church is just to find God alone for redemption, I'm telling you, for the next hundred years is enough. Don't look for what is not lost. Contain your excess appetite. phone 
iPhone 16. You want to kill everybody to avoid it. Because your friends are putting on Instagram that they have iPhone, I don't know the iPhone names. The one I have is a, is a dumb phone, but it's working for me. The loss of the eyes. Someone else has a car that you don't have. You say, what that car is you just The car is just so. Your own car is Toyota. Toyota minimum. Someone is riding Toyota Maxima. You say the Maxima is stop that. Thank God for your minima and praise God for those that have Maxima. Don't kill your husband to buy a big car when he has not the money yet. Don't kill him to go and rent a house where his salary cannot afford. Be contented with what you have. The spirit of the age right now, even in the church, because the competition is more rife in the church. I know you church in Abuja. They, can't, they say their car park is an attestation of the glory of God. What, 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 what heretics? Are you seeing that today? And so, so they, they talk down the word, but they talk more on their appearance. So their pastor will, will be going to church. Now I'm talking about Pastor Bevatonimo of Kosa. He will sit down in, in his car and snap a bag of one million naira and say, this is my bag, I'm going to church. Join me tonight in service if you want to be like me. Don't you know that that is wrong? Well, sometimes what is saying this, you should start knowing. Does God want you to have a car? Yes, if you work hard. Simple. There's no anointing for car, no anointing for quick riches. It is not in the Bible process. Let everyone walk with his word, his own hands, that which is profitable. How can your color be an attestation of the glory of God? And every youth who wants to have a car will be going there, praying for the day it will be his own turn to ride a car. When all that Christ came to give us is eternal life, and that is in knowing God and Jesus, his son. Isaiah 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. You know, Jesus told Peter, before the cock rose twice tonight, or thrice tonight, you have denied me three times. When the test came, Peter denied boldly. How many times have you denied Christ in your attitude? No, you say, ah, if I was Christ, no. How many times have you denied him in the things you do in the office? 
How many times has your lifestyle as a mother to your children denied Christ? How many times has your lifestyle as a youth denied Christ? We hid our physical as we were from him. He was acquitted. He was much filled with grief and sorrow. Carrying the bodies and the pains of the whole world. Referring to Jesus. Jesus could not have gone through all this in grace to allow you to live a life of recklessness. That now we are in grace. But Paul says, no, we don't use grace as an occasion for the flesh. Can we continue in seeing that grace abound? He says, God forbid. Because he that procured the grace, procured it in great sorrow. See, if, if the Bible says God sorrowed, it's not small sorrow. We hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, so say surely. Let me say that again to you tonight. When God says surely, it means beyond the shadow of doubt. If someone says, if someone says, I have. How do I use it now? As I'm going to use. So I use a human analogy to make the sense to you. If someone who you know has capacity in his account, he has up to a billion naira in his account, or even naira, a billion dollars, and he says he will give you ten thousand naira, then surely you can believe him. But if somebody has 100 naira and says, I will give you 10,000 tomorrow, surely you shouldn't believe him. Because he has no capacity. His word is good for nothing. But he that uses the word surely is telling us that this is done and dusted. That's why he could say on the cross in John 19 when he first for the last time he said it is finished. Jesus ended the oppression of the devil in the Christian's life. So here we tonight. Jesus ended the, the, the opening for Satan to attack his children as long as they are in him. As long as you are following the word and you are in Christ, Satan has lost the local standard to intrude in your life. You know, there are things we do right now carelessly that opens the door to him. Not when you go out of the way to open the door. When you are in Christ. 
He can't. Because he can't have access to you. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him speaking, smitten of God and afflicted. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Somebody should I say he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Please don't like you mean to say he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Praise God tonight. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Well, hold on. Was he wounded? Yes. In fact, the mark of the wound is eternal. Is there forever. He was wounded for our transgressions. If, you know, every time, for those of us who are growing up, when we have scars, the scar is always there. Every time you see the scar, you remember the event. <laughs> some of you, okay, you know, people there, some people know, just check, check any scar you have right now, you, this one right now, I remember the event. This one, uh, there's one on my toe. My toe has sukied. No, it's not Sasuke. I mean, it has entered. It happened when I was in SS2. We were playing football in the car park where the principal used to park beside the toilet in the school. And we were playing short ball, you know, short. And then I kicked somebody's heel and my third finger entered. And since then, it doesn't come out again. Every time I see that book, I remember the event. Every time Jesus sees that wound, he declares, wounded for the transgressions. Hallelujah. The wound was for the transgressions. was our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. But really this healing actually is in two folds. But fundamentally is in healing of our spiritual lives. Amen tonight. Every time Jesus saw the scar, he remembers. Let me run tonight. We have like 10 minutes more, 15 minutes more. How time flies. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him what? The iniquity of how many people? Of every one of us. So the reason he died there was God was laying on him the iniquity. So you just say, My sins have been forgiven. Fully pardoned by the blood of Jesus. I'm justified by faith in the blood of Jesus. I'm free from oppression. 
I'm redeemed in the kingdom. I'm a child of God. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. The Lord has put on him the iniquity of us all. No wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. He says, he says, he says, he says in 19. He says, he says, and for God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself as one. He said, and he has made him who knew no sin to become. He said, he, he was made sin. He was made to become. He wasn't sin. The Lord put on him. And the, and, the, and the wages of the sin is what is death. If Jesus has taken care of sin, then death has lost his power. So stop going for prayer for, 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 what is that? Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened it, not his mouth. No wonder when they went to Pilate, Pilate spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke. He says, Won't you answer for yourself? The only thing he said, Are you the king of the Jews? You said so. That's not an answer. That's actually a declaration. Let me read this again. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living. For, see that? He was cut off from where? For what reason? For the transgression of my people he was stricken. So why was he cut off? The purpose for was what? The transgression. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Do you know that? Adam Ephraim was a worldly man. But he was buried with the wicked. Because he has done no violence, neither was any deceit in his word, in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Psalm 22. Now close tonight. Is it getting interesting? It is. Mm. Let me read from verse 1. I know I'm going close tonight. I, 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 I'm done here. I, 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 I won't go beyond this point tonight. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the wars of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and the night seasons, and I'm not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am one, man, this has changed. You see, in reading prophecy, you must know when it changes. 
He says, but, 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 but I am warm, I'm no man, and reproach of men, and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lid, and they shake head, saying. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 27 to 29, the Bible says, everyone that passed by him shook their head and his on the cross. He said, Matthew 27, verse 29. Say, and they walked by and looked at him and hissed at him. Verse 8. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. Seeing he let him. Now, they were saying this to him. You said the Lord will deliver you. Now, come down if you are the Messiah and deliver thyself. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me whole, and I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, O for trouble is there, for there is none to help. Many bulls have come past me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. They get upon me with their mouth, and as a ravening and roaring lion, I am poured out like water. <clears throat> And all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaved to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Glory to God. They pierce my hands and my feet. The hands of David was never pierced, his feet was never pierced. This was the promise of Jesus. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They look and stare upon him almost naked on the cross. They part my garments among them. David's garments, nobody parted. Nobody cast what on David's garments anytime in history. Go and check out in the Bible. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But thou, but, 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 but be thou not for me, O Lord, my strength, haste to help me. Deliver my soul from, from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name upon my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. My feet was dead. And my hands were pierced. For thou hast been with me in the valley of the shadow of death. But I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Jesus our Lord fulfilled the prophecy. We are taking this holistic teaching on Christology so you know, so you know the total story of Jesus and how all this relates to your redemption. The reason this is important is because of redemption. If God will put his son through all this, in his full incarnate and hypostatic nature, full God, full man, 
because of the sin of men, then that sin has been fully paid for forever. 